Hello, and welcome to another edition of Hide and Go Seek. I am your host for this week, Brandon Hyde. With me here today is a very special guest, a guest who is not a part of my my immediate family. Makes him extra special. My very good friend, Zach. Heyo! Take that, Hydes! <laughs> if you're wondering, Ryan is currently out of the Hide and Go Seek office on assignment. His mission is... Is his mission to find the secret Taco Bell of Shangri-La. Armed solely with his wits and his working knowledge of ancient Tibet, he will be accompanied by a clumsy professor, a plucky sidekick, and a eccentric millionaire who will most likely betray him in the second act. We wish him much luck on his travels and his many shootouts he will be involved in. Until next time, we will we'll update you on Ryan's whereabouts. Until then, he says hi. <laughs> to get down to it, I hopefully have uh, have titled this episode correctly, and we are talking about comic book movies, but not really the the comic book movies that you might have seen. Our discussion is going to mainly be about uh, comic book movies. We would, we would love to see on the big screen. give you some background, myself and Zach are huge comic book uh, fans. We, we love them. We love superheroes. We love talking about them. We love arguing about them. And I think I, I can say safely that we share a very immediate passion for superheroes alike. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I love comics. I've been reading them. For a while, if I'm honest, I'm trying to cheat and find out what the first issue was because I forget. <laughs> I know the story. It was the the first story that Craven the Hunter's daughter was introduced in. Right. Um, That's a good one. And I actually got the comic off of a uh, Barnes and Noble bookshelf. Yeah, forgot about um, those. Yeah. But yeah, I love comics. I love movies, and so obviously I'm a mastermind of those two together. <laughs> uh, additionally, I figured this is a good place as I to say that I am a Marvel and not a DC. Not that I have anything against DC, but there might be some bias as in, like, I, I just have more opinions for Marvel because I know it a little, little, little more well. Yeah, and I, I think that's, I think that's great. I think uh, much like, uh, like sports teams, there's always your, your favorite. You, you would say you're an Eagles fan, and if you encountered, uh, let's just say, I don't know, uh, another NFL team that you wouldn't like, say, uh, the, the Cowboys, is that? Is that the Eagles' Bible, would you say? Sorry, I don't I don't know what a cowboy is. There's cowgirls. <laughs> There's quite a few of those. Um, so yeah, I think it's 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 a way of making almost a competition for the other team. It's it, exactly. it's healthy. It's for Marvel has has DC, and where Marvel is succeeding with their movies, DC is <laughs> is not. Uh, See, my, I didn't say that. So that makes <laughs> me feel better. <laughs> I'm kind of caught in the middle, but you know, they'll you'll see probably in my. In my my wish list, some of my favorites will pop up. So, in keeping with that, uh, I wanted to introduce you to the concept of what this episode is going to be about. We are going to be discussing... Aliens. <laughs> that's, uh, that's in my other podcast, uh, Discovering the Truth, with Brandon Hyde. What do crop circles actually mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> gotta find my blog for the real answer. But... Uh, 
in the meantime, we're going to be discussing comic movies we wish what we wish uh, we could see that could be real. And we decided before the episode we're not going to tell each other what ideas we had and what characters we were going to uh, going to use. So there might be some crossover or some uh, some similarities between some of the ideas we we have, and that's mostly because we we share a lot of the same interests and what we want we want to to talk about. So, my list, I'm going to preface, it's not going to be just uh, five examples of why I want a good Superman movie compared to everything we've, uh, everything we've gotten since Man of Steel, <laughs> because that would, it would just, it would mainly just be me saying, I want, like, a good Superman movie, a good Suicide Squad movie. And then that's it. That would just be my. I'm like, can we get those? No, that's it. Um, I'm waiting. But anyway, so what we're going to we're going to be focusing on original ideas that are we would uh, again keep repeating myself, but we would love to see, but sometimes are constrained by the the rights uh, held by different uh, studios. Just Sony had Spider-Man for a while, and Fox has X-Men. But we are going to use a very freeform, almost um, anything goes. For these movies, it's a a wish list of if it if it could happen, we wouldn't want to see it. Basically, we're living, let's say, ten to twenty years in the future when Disney <laughs> buys absolutely everything. Yeah, when it when it owns us also, it don't own this podcast. Oh, so it don't own all these ideas. When by and large is around, that's when it'll <laughs> yeah. happen. We'll have Marvel versus DC movies. That's you know good reference. Yeah. Well, enough of me rambling. Uh, you uh, everyone has probably tuned out by this point, but if you haven't. Don't touch that dial. We got some really good ones coming up. And I would... I'm going to give the floor up to my esteemed guests and ask, what is your... What is one of your uh, movies on your wish list? Okay, so my comic book movie wish list, um, I kind of put it together as, like, top of my head, this is what I want. And the list came out more as a realistic to not realistic kind of just by chance i think that's just how my mind was looking at it like this is possible and i'd love to see this happen (laughs) um and then the further down the list you go the more absurd it gets um i like that yeah really because at the end the last thing is a good batman because also real uh (laughs) sorry sorry i should have said a good batman movie under snyder zach's right right that's the but no okay so um I am going to call Brandon out as a liar for a little, little bit because I gave him a preface. On my own podcast. On your own <laughs> podcast. Because I gave him a little tidbit. Listen closely. We're going to have a fight right now. You can hear, <laughs> you can hear the switchblades going on. Ding, 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 ding. A guard. <laughs> Yar. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're pirates switchblades now. <laughs> pirates that carry switchblades. Basically, we're greasing <laughs> pirates. <laughs> What kind of bird is that? Zach, what do you have in here? A bald eagle, obviously, because I'm an American pirate. Because that's what pirate, pirates use, are bald eagles. They... And switchblades. Yeah. <laughs> okay, back to comics and movies. Um, so what beep, I was trying to say... Beep, 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 oh, beep, right, now we're in space. Now we're space pirates. I'm so sorry for anyone who's listening. Are you kidding? There's no one at this, this point. This went off the rails way quicker than I expected. It was. We didn't even start. Yeah, it's... <laughs> oh. It's okay. We're we'll getting just, to him. We'll just edit it out, right? Yeah. 
I'll probably include some. No, we're not going to edit anything. There's no edit. This is raw. This is double fisted. Just two barrels facing down on you. Whoa, that got real fast. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna try. So what I had to do here, tried to joke about here, is that I gave Seriously. Brandon a little insight into my first pick. Just as, right, you did. Yeah. So and my first one, and remember, I said. <laughs> My list is from more realistic to least realistic. So I'm starting out with something that's technically been announced, but we know nothing. Right. And that would be a Venom movie. Now, I have wanted a Venom movie since I saw Spider-Man 1 and looked into Spider-Man's whole background and everyone yeah. involved. Venom is easily my favorite, coolest Spider-Man villain. And the hell that that character has gone <laughs> through is... And, and I mean that both in a... Uh, a, a good media sort of way, like as in good story, bad for the character, and then I also mean bad for the character and just bad. Right, <laughs> it's just right. been like you know, <laughs> uh, Topher Grace. Anyway, um, so Venom is my first thing I want to talk about, and I got a three part pitch here, so I hope I don't go too long with this. Um, so first, again, I'm I'm saying a three movie Venom saga with the first one. Um, Brandon, off the top of your head, what we know there's a Venom movie coming out. Now, you, along with everyone else in the world, is going to tell me that the Venom movie's antagonist will be... Spider-Man. No. No. Wrong. That's what I want it to be. <laughs> so, it's ruined. Again, I uh, uh, quit. I quit. I call it it. That's, that's it. I'm out the door. My list doesn't matter at this point. We can find a random stranger. And like, who should the antagonist of Venom be? And he should say... I think, from what I've read, nine times out of ten, people are going to tell you Carnage. Carnage, yeah. Just because... You, I was going to say that, and then I was like, wait a minute. like, wait, how can I make Zach look bad on my own show? Because he already did that to me. How, did, how can I invite Zach on and then just, like, make him fail? But yes. So, if I had to guess, I think the Venom movie that was announced will feature Carnage. Right. Which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing, I just think they're wrong. <laughs> and I think the correct answer is what you actually said, which I should have knew you would have known. It's Batman. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Right, right. Let's keep this top train on course. Choo-choo. Um, um, so, yeah. So, I think that Spider-Man would be the perfect antagonist because not only does it introduce to the audience who whose universe you're in, but um, it, it gives the other side – it gives a villain side – but we're not talking about a villain fighting a villain. We're talking about a villain right. fighting a hero and why he wouldn't like her. Yeah. And if you know anything about Eddie Brock's Venom, you know that Eddie Brock was not a bad guy. He didn't do anything – well, I'm not I – mean, that's the bad way to put it. He was not like a murderer or a robber or some kind of villain. Right. He was a jerk. He solely – well, yeah, he was like a jock jerk. Yeah, but, like, yeah. but he wasn't like – again, he wasn't necessarily evil. Yeah. He just hated Spider-Man. Yeah. And Venom Venom did some evil things, but solely for right. Spider-Man's sake. Right. Venom was known to do, like, heroic things unintentionally, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Because, again, he didn't want to hurt people. He just wanted to hurt Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, so I would love to see a movie with that in mind. And and uh, I am 100% on the train of Jake Gyllenhaal should be playing Eddie Eddie Brock, and we have talked about this numerous times. I absolutely want Jake Gyllenhaal to play this Eddie Brock. I think it would hands down be a perfect choice. Um, that dude is just—he can be 
He could be badass. He could be tough. He can be sad. He can do whatever. And I feel like that range of emotion is necessary for a good Eddie Brock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I like that casting especially. Yeah. You're darn right you do. So thank you, Life, for putting it in my head. Like the movie, which was phenomenal. Great movie. Highly recommended from us at Diagnosis. So, regardless, real quick, uh, so I'm sure, I'm sorry, I'm going way too long, but regardless no, of like who this. the antagonist is for Venom 1, so, you know, Venom does Venomy things with whoever the antagonist is, Carnage or Spider-Man. Oh, oh, one other thing is if it is Spider-Man, it's a new Spider-Man, which I might throw you off here, but I have a reason why okay. later. Um, a completely different actor that's mm-hmm. not Tom Holland, Holland, yeah, Tom Holland. not Holland yes. or anyone else we've known. Completely right. new, um, its own thing. Okay. And I'll get into why later, um, and I'm talking way later. So going off of that, regardless of what the first movie is about, the second movie, we're going to Agent Venom. Okay. And so for our listeners who are not as familiar with Agent Venom, can you can you give them a quick synopsis? Or I can. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Look it up on your own. Uh, no, Agent Venom is. He is Flash Thompson, who was one of Peter Parker's best friends, frenemies, so to speak. He was um, kind of a bully in high school. He was a bully. In, sorry, I, I just I, I like the current Flash, not bully right. Flash. But yeah, he his, was his beginnings. He was he eventually yeah. he becomes uh, a great character. Like a he's always a great character, but he evolves very much. And a big part of him is that he becomes a soldier. Yeah, is that correct? right. He goes yeah. uh, to war for he goes he joins yeah. the United States uh, military, and uh, he comes back. Um, now, whether or not this would be important to the movie is up to the developers that are not making this movie, but again, you know, <laughs> should. Um, in war, he loses both of his legs, which is why he actually volunteers to be Agent Venom, which is a military project. They put right. the symbiote on right. him and it gives him legs. Um, anyway, this was a Rick Remender title, right? It was, yeah. And that was, without doubt, the first thing I read that made me love that author, um, that writer, uh, and it's phenomenal. I want it, and I think it would make a great movie. Um, uh, I just think it would make a great tactical superhero movie. And right, yeah. I think, you know, Jack-O-Lantern as the villain would be really cool. Um, and, and, again, that that's – real quick, that would be the second movie. Okay, so so we uh, – kind of recap, we have uh, Venom 1 with Spider-Man as the antagonist. Sure. So, and uh, Eddie Brock. Uh, in, in in the first Venom movie, and that's the yeah like so that's uh, that's Venom one, and then we have Flash Thompson for the second Venom film. Right. Something I didn't mention was he would have to lose the symbiote at the end of the first movie. Right. Um. Would this be under Eddie Brock's choice, or would it be? That's a like, great did, question. Did, did, like, is there a sacrifice he has to make? To separate himself from the symbiote? That's kind of how I would picture it. Um, it's not something I'm 100%. Like, I, I yeah, could go either. Rock, right, right, like, I'm. This is why I'm not writing. But <laughs> uh, um, if I had to, again, like, my perfect spiel, yes, I think he would have to give it up willingly for some reason. And at the beginning of the second movie, he finds Flash. The symbiote finds right, Flash. Right, right. And this is very important. Oh, real quick, uh, name drop. Michael B. Jordan would be my choice for Flash Thompson. Oh, that's a really good. Yeah, that's a fantastic choice. Right? Uh, okay. Yeah. So we're just gonna glaze yeah, over wow. that amazing casting. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. But uh, so then we get to the last Venom movie, and what that would be is Agent Venom versus Anti Venom. Oh wow! Okay, so, so Agent Venom again, still Flash Thompson. He still has the suit. He's still Venom, who has control of Venom. By the way, we didn't mention that. 
Um, and anti-venom, what that is, is you're bringing Eddie Brock back, who has a new symbiote that actually cures of venom. Um, it's essentially literally what it means, anti-venom, where venom is black with a white spider on his chest. Anti-venom is white with black spider on his chest. Right. Same gook, same powers, um, just extreme. And I just think that would be a great way to end a Venom saga right. is to have this clash of arguably the favorite modern Spider-Man character of Agent Venom versus a very underrated character, in my opinion, of Anti-Venom. And it brings back that first main casting choice. Right. Regardless of if it's Jacob Gyllenhaal or not, which it absolutely should be. Should be. (laughs) That's fantastic. So I I really like that idea of Anti-Venom, and I was curious... (laughs) Sorry, I had to do. I did it as fast as I could. And I'm sorry. <laughs> no, perfect. Okay, we will probably. We will, this will probably be a long, long episode. We're gonna go pretty long on some of these entries, I imagine. There'll be a little bit of uh, back and forth. But I do have a question uh, about most of your third film. You mentioned uh, you wanted a different Spider-Man, um, a different actor as Spider-Man for for the first Venom film. And I was curious, is Spider-Man is he involved in the second or third? Proposed Venom films? Again, in my pitch, no. He's only in okay. the first Venom movie. Yeah. He would probably be mentioned, maybe bring Peter Parker back in the Daily Bugle or something, but Spider-Man right. himself huh. would not be in the second or third Venom movies. And later in my list, I will tell you why. Okay, so there, there oh, is, so even later in the list. Right. Even like later, there later in the Venom there is more, but it's not Venom, and that's why it's not technically good for this spot. Okay, wow, that's... that's I like this. It's a little Again, like a, it's a tease for the rest of the episode. Important. You gotta listen to the rest of the episode now. You're yeah, locked you, in. You're, you're, I hook, lined, and sinker. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yes, so again, important that that first movie has a fourth brand new Spider-Man, right. different choice actor, Yeah. and we'll see why later. Yeah. Um, that's, wow. Uh, I'm gonna, we should probably end this podcast, because that's pretty amazing. I don't think anything's gonna match up to that. No, uh. Keep going, the bro. rest of my list doesn't match up to that, so the rest is gonna be like, uh, yeah, Downtown. Batman, and I'm done. <laughs> um, speaking of Batman, I think uh, so we're going to alternate uh, speaking points. We can switch off and capture breath, so one of us doesn't hyperventilate. So, Brandon, what would your first choice be? Oh. As I pass the mic over, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, because it's the pen. So, Mike. Uh, uh, yes, this is Ned Schneebly. <laughs> Hi, uh, first time, first time caller, long time listener, uh, calling into the Hide and Go Seek podcast. Uh, so my my pitch for my first movie, as you mentioned, you had a, a Batman idea, and just so happens I have a Batman idea. What are the chances of that? What are the chances with my my notebook having Batman on the cover? It's Batman. It is. A, it is. Batman. It is. Batman. <laughs> you can confirm. Also, I would just like to say a Batman film made by not Zack Snyder would easily be <laughs> on any list. So again, <laughs> Batman. That's that's all five of my choices. It's so weird. Um, <laughs> it's just that sentence differently written every time. <laughs> it's backwards. Without Zack Snyder, not including Zack Snyder, <laughs> dropping Zack Snyder. So, my first. Uh, my first title on my wish list, and it's might throw you off for a second just because of the title, but I'll explain why I would use this as the subtitle to the the film. 
but my first choice is Batman Arkham Asylum. Ooh. Now, a title like that is suggests for our listeners who may have played uh, video games in the last generation and current generation, there is the Rocksteady uh, developed Batman games. First one being Arkham Asylum coming out in 2009 or so, and then uh, there's Batman Arkham City a few years later, and finally completing the trilogy was was Batman Arkham Knight. And so it, it seems like I'm, uh, I'm 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 building off of those and with the title like that, but it's actually a little more separated from uh, from that. So a little more it's a little different. It's more a reference to as Grant Morrison's uh, hit. His Batman graphic novel series House on CS Earth. And Zach is shaking with excitement, it looks like. I mean, when I'm you bring Grant Morrison into a conversation, you're about to get, like, you, you better be sitting down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, sit down for this one. Um, so my pitch for it would be it, it is based on Morrison's series House on series that hurt Earth, also taking cues from the scariest Batman comic I've ever read which is uh, Arkham Asylum, Living Hell. And I'm going to maybe shock Zach with the writer on this, but do, do you want to know the writer on the scariest Batman comic I've ever, ever read? The, the Arkham Asylum one? No, the, the uh, <clears throat> Living Hell, the, the other one. Oh, I thought you were just describing Arkham Asylum as a living hell. Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> that's another comic. Could be. Yeah, so there's a whole, so whole other comic. It was a... If you issue a miniseries called uh, Arkham Asylum, colon, Living Hell. Oh, I did not. Was it a sequel to Arkham? Okay, so, no, it's, so it's, real it's quick, I read uh, Arkham separate. Asylum. The, yeah. Oh, okay. Great. Um, yeah. So I, I'm curious. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to kick you off. I just, no, is it like, did I miss this? <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> yes. So uh, so the, the, there is actually, there was a miniseries. came out uh, maybe like early 2000s. So um, by very, uh, very notable comic writer. And I will say... Uh, if you're interested, I have to give you a little bit of a warning, because it is a very grisly and disturbing comic, uh, Arkham Asylum, Living Hell, by another, none other than current Spider-Man writer, Stan Slott. You're, you're, you're pulling my leg. No, he, uh... I'm looking this up. I'm looking it up. I don't believe him that much, so I'm looking it up live on this podcast. <laughs> so Dan Slott, for those who don't know, who, um, he is, is current, currently writing the Spider-Man title. From Marvel, and he's—I he's, personally think he's doing a great job. I really liked his his work, and he's had ups and downs, like any any writer on uh, a very long run. He's also done close to almost 200 issues at this point, which is insane. But yeah, yes, he wrote the most horrifying comic, like top five best horror comics I've ever read. I have to read it. Which is very bizarre, from, coming from someone who writes Spider-Man, and you know, Spider-Man's very accepted as a goofy, funny kind of character, and he, he does a great goofy, funny character. To be fair, Slot's taken him to the grave and back. Yeah, he's done some Literally. Very, very sinister things with him. Uh, but yeah, Arkham Asylum Living Hell is a five-issue miniseries that kind of looks into Arkham Asylum from the point of view of a recent inmate, a man who... He did some white collar com um white collar crime and was sentenced to jail, but he pleaded insanity. But he did it in Gotham and was sent to Arkham Asylum, a much worse place than the Gotham City Jail. And so it's a regular businessman who is sent to Arkham Asylum. He's hoping to survive, and he 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 starts out by 
he befriends some different villains, and mostly he tries to, he buddies up with uh, other villains and tries to get them to kind of protect him, but a great recurring theme in the book is that all the, all the villains in Arkham Asylum look to him almost as if he was worse than what they do. Like, at least, uh, there's a line by, I think, the Joker where he's like, at least I, I just kill people. You, you took their money away. Like, you ran them out of, uh, out of their house. They have nothing left. So it's kind of this way of kind of showing... Wow. Yeah, it's horrible. Like, <laughs> when the Joker is trying to tell you yeah. you're bad, you might just be done with <laughs> life. You might be, might be a pretty bad dude. Yeah, you're, it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be good for you. But, uh, yeah, to, and <laughs> following Justin for that, uh, if you want an example of why comics are disturbing, then the Joker, he whispers to him, and there's a, uh, a quote from the book. He says, you know, I could chop your head off and sell it in the and sell it on eBay for a good price. It's a very funny, but horrifying line from the Joker. And I think that really captures what I want out of uh, a, a Batman Arkham Asylum uh, film. So this movie, I went a little bit farther with this, but I would want it to be directed by um, <clears throat> is Darren Aronofsky, who, uh, listeners don't know, he directed uh, such films as, as Black Swan, and Pi, and The Fountain. And what I really like about his films is that he's able to, especially with Black Swan, he warps uh, the ideas of reality and the perception of the, of the main character. And if you want to make an uh, Arkham Asylum movie that's based on on Morrison's work, a book like that, the art just, uh, like, if you do uh, a Google search, you'll see it's very, very dreamlike. It's watercolor. That's what I would want out of a movie like this. You're, it's it'd be difficult to tell what's actually happening and what's happening to in in Batman's mind, and it would be an exploration of what Batman he feels for all these villains, and it would be a great showcase for certain villains you wouldn't really see uh, in movies too much. I think it'd be a uh, there is uh, I can't remember his name is Zeus, but he makes a quick appearance in Arkham Asylum. There's Jane Doe from Arkham Island Living Hell, who is, again, horrifying character, but amazing. Uh, there's Mr. Zaz could show up, and it's mostly just a way of doing a slower-paced, more, almost like a plotting uh, pace for uh, Batman. But as much as I love the Chris Nolan movies, I think it'd be interesting to kind of, if you pull back the budget a little bit, and kind of more, more focused, more slower version of what Batman is about and focus on his him as a, a detective and him making his way through this asylum and some maze that would test his mental abilities and like in Morrison's book there's the Joker and with all, all, all Jokers you need a great casting this is my kind of stunt casting something I think a little bit different but I think it's really interesting I would cast um, is Tilda Swinton as the Joker. Now, if you're wondering, she was in in Doctor Strange. She played the Ancient One. Okay. And I know it's you know it's a very strange choice. And again, she's she's a woman. That's probably the biggest thing. Is that yeah, like uh, oh, Joker is a man. I was thinking, you know, she's bald. What? <laughs> <laughs> that was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, Brandon. wait a minute. Yeah. How can she have green hair? <sighs> She doesn't even look like him. What are you doing? Yeah. Never know what she's doing. She's not even like the character. 
Uh, <laughs> okay, no, but but in all reality, I mean, something like that would be huge, so please explain to me why she should be the Joker. So why I like uh, her so much as an actress is that she takes these characters and specifically, uh, she, she's a very bizarre uh, performer. She kind of has talking about she takes the gender out of her performances and kind of like in this, a way of uh, separating it f- from what you're supposed to see on, on screen. I think that's a big part of what I would like to see the Joker is that kind of you pull back this, uh, like her gender and sexuality and make it that the Joker isn't even human at that point. Like what even is he? And kind of questioning what the Joker, uh, is as a person and kind of to kind of make it even more bizarre and kind of dreamlike of like, who could the Joker actually be? Is there something more to them or is the Joker just, another crazy and well that's my batman pitch wow <laughs> I, I gotta say that's pretty intense um, i am Thank glad you. you you at least elaborate on the joker a little bit because i think as you point out every good batman needs a joker yeah you, you need you need a great uh mirror for uh, for, for batman and you know, there are two sides of the same coin and that's more of a two-faced thing but who would also be great and he would be in that too as a reference to the morrison comic which is amazing yeah. Ooh, that is Ready a yet? really good part of that comic That's a, yeah i think that, that, that'll be the the through line from this is two faces uh his his inner demons battling with them struggling to find his purpose and personality and choice it's when he's uh he's he's slowly going from the coin to the cards right yeah so yeah that, that that is a it, i gotta say that in that comic i think two face was the perfect the, the way Two Face's depiction depicted in that comic is the perfect way of trying to humanize any Batman villain or any villain in general. He really does a good job of making you, uh, again, almost like like you want you want the villain to do good or do right. better. Yeah, you, you do. You want them to succeed. You want them to heal. And, and you really understand. You don't. You can never understand. But it gives you a insight to try and understand right. what are they going through. Right, and I think. Um... You said it better than I could, but I, it would be a, kind of like a, a way in the movie to approach these characters, these villains, in a way in how they actually are. They are mental patients. They mm-hmm. they are people who they are they do evil things, but maybe there is a chance to heal them in some way, and uh, on their way to becoming uh, whole again. And I think that's a, a way of kind of instead of portraying them as just as big. Uh, comic book villains, but portraying them a little more grounded, more uh, kind of a on-earth style of it. So that's that was that's my my Batman choice. That was really good. That was that blew me away. Thank you. I was a little nervous about that. Combination of all that Arkhamnesses. I went a lot on that. It was. (laughs) But anyway, I will try to catch my breath and not fall over from speaking uh, that much, and I will pass. Mike, on over to you, Zach. Okay, so... Right, right, oh, no, you dropped it! Oh, oh no, oh, oh, come oh, on. Sim- oh. You got on the root beer. Oh, oh the symbiote's taking it away. Oh, you know what? Ah, <laughs> oh, there it goes. Okay. It's anti-Zach. It's anti-Zach. <laughs> All right, so... My second choice. I, I have been... I'm going to be honest. I have... Almost no, pr- like, actual 
like all of my talent of like who should be what, meaning yeah, those actor yeah. voices, that was all used up on Venom. Nothing else <laughs> is like this is who should do this. Like like honestly, I've tried, and I might think of it as we go on, right? Yeah. But a lot of it's just just pitch, just yeah. pitch work with no, the that's, that's So that's yeah. what I'm just throwing that out there yeah. that I used up all my good. It's all gone. <laughs> it's done. And with you that being said, <laughs> my number two is X Force, but oh, okay. not. X-Force classic. We're talking uncanny X-Force. Right. And I actually, within the second of saying that, just realized that my second movie is, again, a Rick Remender title. <laughs> um, it's a great writer, if you're interested in comics. I apparently love this man more than I knew. Anyway. <laughs> his... I have read quite a few teen comic books because you see something like Avengers, like the movies, the, the yeah. Avengers, yeah. and you're just like, Wow, I love this. Like, I remember after seeing Iron Man, I want to say two, I went, I was like, you know what, I'll do it. I'm going to finally pick up an Iron Man comic. Yeah. And I just, I didn't like whoever was writing it at the time. I think it was probably Matt Fraction on Invincible Iron Man. Yeah. I think you're right. Good. It was like kind of around the time. Five points to Gryffindor, Brad. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I just didn't like it. Yeah. And Avengers, and you, you, something like Avengers came out, and you're like, oh, this is so cool. I want a yeah. team book. So I went and I got a team book and I of course picked up Avengers. Yeah. And I, it was just it was just not my cup of tea. That was probably Brian Michael Bendis at the time. No. Doing that. Uh, it, um. Oh. 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 Wait. So the, the first Avengers movie? No. 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 Oh, oh yeah, I don't. I don't remember who was right. So I don't know when I picked up these titles. Okay. But so Avengers writers that point out to my head, I know. Uh, Hickman wrote them at one point. Right. Um, I know that Pendus did write them. Um, and there was one other one. Who wrote it while Ramita Jr. was drawing? That was Pendus. That was Pendus. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. Um, so those are the guys that stand out. And again, like, they weren't bad. It was just, it didn't, it didn't, like, it was, it just wasn't enough. It it always left there. Like, I never liked those tees. And the comics. The movie's great, and I never liked those comics. Okay, so I'm, I'm... Losing you here. Uh, so, so, so to quicken this pace, uh, at one point, I don't know if it was you, I don't know if I picked it up just because Deadpool was in it, but right. I at one point pick up Ramander's Uncanny X-Force, and I did not dislike a single issue of that. <laughs> it was phenomenal. I think the way he spreads the team out between the romantic, between uh, Archangel, the, the romantic triangle between Archangel, um... Psylocke and uh, Phantom X, um, the 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 perfect use of your comedic Deadpool. Yes, like the perfect amount. Like I I I I I sorry, I'm just so excited. (laughs) I literally am just that excited about this. I grew up with Deadpool reading. um, Oh, who wrote it? The Daniel Way run? Yes, Way. Way's Deadpool. Loved it. And and that was pretty over-the-top comedy. Yes, um, yes. Today's is, is too much, in my opinion. There goes my pen. It's gone. Throw it across the room. No more mic. Um, that, today, it's got a little too much comedy. That was, like, a good amount. But, but Ramander uses that to his advantage with a team that's too broody and depressing. Yeah. Like, but, I mean, that's what the X-Force is, and which brings me to the point of why now is the time for X-Force. Going off of Logan's success. Right. Now, I will keep this spoiler-free. Okay. But if you haven't seen Logan, 
within you the do so now. Well, absolutely, you should do so now. But let me just say, within the first five minutes, that movie was more gruesome than I could ever expect from any yeah. superhero movie, yeah. let alone a Wolverine movie yeah. or anything like yeah. at all. So going off of that, and again, it wasn't that it was dark. It wasn't like Batman dark. It was just gruesome and and heavy like you felt the weight of logan on your shoulders yeah and going off of that nature is why i think uncanny x-force should happen now especially because this is another x-men title and this is another so it would be another fox franchise so yeah fox needs to be like okay deadpool's kicking it off good logan just made us a buttload <laughs> let's keep this going yeah. and bring that dark no, again it wasn't dark that heavy amount of just crushing this from Logan and the gruesome bring Ryan Reynolds into this team yeah. and uncanny X-Force. And I think this would be the new X-Men series for the next, the, ne the next group, yeah. the next oncoming, you know, X-Men Fox franchise. I think it's the perfect choice. Uh, again, you would be building this team around Ryan Reynolds, which I would assume, assume is a third universe in the X-Men world. Which I know we're getting a little crazy with how many universes are in the movies. <laughs> but I really love the idea that Ryan Reynolds started his own with Deadpool. Yeah. Because it was just so different. Um, and and I, I, again, I just think doing Uncanny X-Force would be the... It's just... It's now. Now is the time to do it. Yeah. And something that we talked... We, we actually talked about what if we did an Uncanny X-Force years ago. I don't know if you remember <laughs> us doing this. A little bit. Um, and we said, who would you cast for these characters? And I don't remember a lot of them. Again, one of my key things I was trying to do for days now is who would I cast as Wolverine, and I just still can't do it. I really just I don't can't. think I ever will for a very long I, time. And, and, like, the mentality of it, I just it's just hard. I really yeah, don't want to try it. Um, obviously, again, Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool, perfect. So. Now, one thing I want to say is um, I, I the only thing that I can think of is that for Psylocke, I wish, and this is why this is not possible, but... I think a younger Angelina Jolie, like a, like the, wow, yeah, so that they, really like, casting. you know, if they're the same, all the same age, yeah. Angelina Jolie, I think would make a great Psylocke. Yeah. Um, just cause the amount of like fierce attitude. Um, I almost think that uh, who plays Wonder Woman would do a good job too. Oh, Gal Gadot? Yeah. yeah. She's great. But I mean, again, I'm not trying to force anything. Right. right. Um, but yeah, so that's what my set, that's. My second movie would hands down be Uncanny X Force. That that's whew, let that's it out. Great! Wow, I like that. I like that choice a lot. It's very that's that works really well. And uh, in in that same vein, I will continue with my my uh, alternate with my uh, my list. Thank God, because I need to breathe. <laughs> and um, my choice, and I kind of was debating which one to go on, but I think I will continue with the ensemble cast idea. And I would like a movie that's based on the superior foes of Spider-Man. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> I don't know how I didn't see this coming, and I love it already. <laughs> I was very excited, mostly because uh, mostly because of the casting. I would take most of the cast from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And if you if you know anything oh my God, I love it. about I love superior foes of Spider-Man, it's about the almost the, the C or those D-list supervillains in the Marvel Universe that sometimes go up against Spider-Man. They, they're, they're, you know the big ones. You know the the Green Goblins, the Rhino, the, um, 
the Dr. Octopuses. Those guys are they're A-listers. They, they show up on the cover. But these are the guys who show up between the panels. They get beat up by Spider-Man while he's eating a large pizza by himself. <laughs> and it's, he wipes the floor with them. But this movie would focus on the idea of these guys have everyday lives, too. They they are trying to succeed as villains. They are you know, they're common criminals. They use either their powers or technology to their advantage to, uh, to, 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 to make off with a little bit of money. And it's tough. It, it's, it's a great series. If you're curious about it, one of, uh, one of the funniest comics I've ever read too, but who I would cast in main roles would mostly be, uh, be Glenn Harriton in the main role as boomerang. I think is, uh, he's the guy with the, uh, the boomerang in his head and he's, uh, kind of his origin story is that he was a great baseball player, but he got hurt. But he um, he has he's he has very good aim and he's he can throw uh, projectiles uh, very uh, fast and hard and it's very much his his power and he uses it to become uh, kind of like a super, uh, a villain. Uh, one of the other castings I wanted to do is Rob McElhaney, who plays Mac on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Him as his um, he would play Mach Five, I think his name is. I didn't look it up. I can't remember, but he is basically he is the uh, he's the sponsor for uh, as Glenn Howerton's character. He would almost like uh, how in Narcotics and <clears throat> Anonymous or AA there are sponsors for people who are, are addicts and they want people to, as almost a crutch so they don't fly back into uh, to crime. And this is almost that, but for supervillains where they're trying to recover from being a supervillain. And uh, they have to go to meetings. They have to talk about how they want to become a supervillain again, but they're trying not to be. And uh, with uh, with Rob, he would basically be his sponsor, and it would be a great way of kind of like their chemistry is that uh, with Rob, he's constantly frustrated because he's worried he's going to get back in the crime. And just those two imagining, you can just picture uh, Rob McElhinney just trying so hard to be a superhero and failing. Constantly, because he has a great, like, he's a very, um, I'm going to sound like his character, Mac, on It's Always Sunny, but he, he has a good, uh, uh, like, a body mask to him. He very, very much looks like a physique of, like, mm-hmm. a good superhero kind of character. So that's, like, kind of what I would love to see, kind of, like, a, a comedy based on these supervillains in the Marvel Universe that shows uh, these characters being kind of goofy and funny and kind of a but so great action and directed by adam mckay from uh anchorman and the big short fame mostly because if you re- remember in the anchorman films uh the first and second one have uh there's a fight scene kind of near the end of both movies and i think if you you took his style of directing and i think he is a great director and he knows how to direct fight scenes you put you you take those fight scenes and put them with everyone has superpowers, I think that would be an incredible and hilarious fight scene for something like that. I, I think that I actually agree with that 100 percent for the style of a movie you're talking about with the style of a fight scene. <laughs> if you're having a fight scene, that's the way to do it. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so just like, like a superhero, a supervillain movie about the frustrations of being a supervillain in the Marvel universe. And that's my pitch for superior foes of Spider-Man. And with, uh, to round out the cast, mostly just plug in, it's always on the actors into any role, and you pretty much got it. And with Danny DeVito as the head of, uh, uh, <clears throat> Silvermane, 
as uh, in the movie. I I just love the idea of Danny DeVito in a comic book movie. Yeah, I, that's I mean, not well, the Penguin. That's yeah, exactly. Not the Penguin. Saying, yeah, like I want him to. I really want him to show him again. Like I think something. I think he would be great. I I, I can't even. I have nothing to say that he could be, but he is the, he is so comedic of an actor that you put him in a superhero role and he's going to do it. And not necessarily a superhero, but in a comic character. It could be a side character or what. What if he played Howard the Duck? I just oh thought of that. Oh my god. Because I think he has the voice for that. A frustrated anthropomorphic duck. You have me angry now because that would have been perfect. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could recast... Yeah. Seth Green, I mean, he like, only did the one line. Yeah, he did the one line, so he, he would um, probably be fine if they had, we did the solo movie, which should have been on my list. Uh, but I, I, did, I put uh-huh. more, more, more thought into that. What do you, what do you mean, Brandon? They had a Howard Lynn movie. <laughs> oh, God, you're right. I can't see remakes. <laughs> oh, man, that, that movie hurts. It hurts so much. I have not seen that. Um, it, I've only seen was that? Was that 80s? It's, it's 80s, yeah. I didn't know if it, like, that, that's I remember, old. I think, I think he directed it. I can't remember if he produced it. But we can thank... Our very own uh, creator of Star Wars, George Lucas. No way! He was a part of that movie, yeah. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Can we Thanks, George. A lot of weird choices for that film. Makes a lot of sense, One actually. of the first Marvel movies. How the Duck. Yeah. Maybe it's... Uh, and I will say, it was redeemed in Chip Zdarsky's How the Duck, which is an amazing series, if you get a chance to read it. He uh, actually included some elements and characters from this movie in a way that was redeeming of them kind of him honoring the idea of comic movies have come so far. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Great series and great few issues. Thanks, Chip. It's a shout out. So we're going to alternate and uh, go back to Zach now. With, okay. Uh, one second, I need to get the, I need to get the mic over the. One sec, uh, watch out. Uh, just going to get this over. I gotta, oh, uh, no, Eagle, stop oh, taking no, the no. back. Ah! Uh, the pirate okay. space eagle took it. Yard. No, this pirate space eagle doesn't say yarg. No, this one does. It's, oh, this the, one. it's the captain of the other eagle. Of the other of the eagle. He, he has the eye patch. With parrot prisoners. He has two eye patches. Obviously. That makes him double pirate. Makes him double ball. <laughs> he's more ball. It's just like he's, he's actually bald too. He's, That's, oh, so he's he's not only a bald eagle, bald eagle but he's a ball. But in, in his in his skin is shaved off too, so it's just his exposed brain. Oh, that's just gross. That's no. horrifying. Yeah. No, this isn't the monkey from Powerpuff Girls. Oh, Mojo Jojo. Mojo Jojo. He's fantastic. Yes. Anyway, we'll get back on topic. Now, this this thing this thing went off the rails immediately, and we're just we're trying to like put out the fire. I love it. Currently, I love it. Brandon's trying to get us back on the rails. Meanwhile, I'm taking the rails apart. Anyway, yeah, we'll uh, get this mic. Uh, watch out. Watch your head. Okay, and. I got it. Uh, do you got? Do, do you do you have it? Do you uh, have? Can I let like go? Okay. I caught it in my mouth, okay. so it should be good. good. It should okay. just be echoing out of my mouth okay. now. Yeah, we're, we're good. Okay. Good. Yeah, you sound good. We're, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Now. All right, we're good. Now. Go ahead. So number three on my list for my wish list comic movies, um, is actually the only other. I might have just lied. I don't know. The next, it's another team movie, um, and this is. Uh, the only other teen comic that I've actually ever liked reading, really? and it's not necessarily a specific writer that I liked, but I just always enjoy these comics from their straight up like seriousness to their pure humor and fun. And this would be the Teen Titans. Um, I, I am a huge fan of the Teen Titans, and this is not necessarily 
a shout out to the show. Right, right, right. I just think that I think that's something DC has done better than Marvel, and I won't say that about a lot of things, but has yeah. literally always done better than Marvel is to have a younger team. Yeah. Um, yeah Champions is their new thing that Marvel yeah. has, and that's pretty good from what I've seen. Yeah. But, I mean, it just started this year. Like, I'm talking right, about something right. that's been established as long as DC's been around. Right, right. So, good for them. Yeah. I mean, hell, if you think about Robin, he's one of the first, like, he's the, probably one of the first sidekick, like, first notable sidekick. And oh, he's yeah. A, a teen superhero. Like, he, he's a teen, uh, teen superhero character. And, you know, they, from then on, they had a bunch of sidekicks, and they kind of started that whole whole trend. I mean, exactly. that's a big part of DC. And I hope I don't piss you off by saying um, I actually wouldn't want Robin. So, actually, so, so I'm going to go through my cast. Well, this podcast is over. But, uh, <laughs> so, so I'm going to go through my cast of the Teen Titans right now. And again, I don't have the actors. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, my, I can't. I just, it's one thing at a time here. Zach actually has, uh, it's called face blindness. He just doesn't recognize people. I know who yeah. should be in these roles. There's just, you know, it's the guy with the face and the, you know, things. Yeah. The guy with glasses, the guy with the glasses, the guy who has a nose, yeah. you know, that guy. Yeah. Um, anyway, so not Robin, but if I had a Teen Titans movie, it would be Red Robin. Okay. Because. I like that. First of all, it has been announced and I, I you can bring this up and I, I love this. It's been announced that they're going to do a Nightwing movie. Yeah. And I love that. I want Nightwing. And I have that's another one I've been trying to think of. Um I don't know if you're gonna hate me for this, but like I kinda think Andrew Garfield could pull off being Nightwing. Not as a perfect choice, choice. but I, I like think that. he yeah. could be. I, I like what you're going for there. I think he's he's a really cool he's a great actor and I think he's grown a lot since he's done Amazing Spider Man. Yeah, no, not Amazing Spider Man Andrew Garfield. I think yeah. like uh, he's no, proven that he's good at acting. Yeah. And I feel like his demeanor, his his appearance, his style, he could be a Nightwing. Yeah. But again, this isn't about Nightwing, I'm talking about Teen Titans. But my point is they've announced they're doing Nightwing, which means, you know, that's Dick Grace and all that stuff. I wanna see Red Robin uh, you know, at the reins of Teen Titans, because I think he is, so he is a Robin, technically, he is the third Robin, um, so this would be Tim Drake? Yes, thank okay. you, I was literally stuttering in my mind, trying to buy time, <laughs> but okay. yeah, Tim Drake, um, as Robin, uh, he started off as a Robin for Batman, he was his third Robin, and then when he left, he took a new name, just like Dick Grayson did, but he right. had no originality, so threw a color in front of it, <laughs> so we got Red Robin. Um, but he's actually a pretty cool character if you look up his modern design. Um, and so I would want to see him as the, the leader. Right. Uh, and so some people underneath of it, I would want Beast Boy. Beast Boy was hands down always my favorite Teen Titans. Yeah, it's fantastic. Always um, fun. I want to see uh, Raven, the yeah. best counterpoint to Beast Boy possible. Great, yeah, great character. Now, I don't want to see Starfire. Okay. I want to see Zaytana. She's great. She's a great character. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great choice. I yeah. think that she is way more fun. I don't want to deal with none of the naive stuff that Starfire has. It's too much. It's too. It's just I don't. I don't want that. I want. I want a strong. And, and Zayn is a strong female character yeah. that don't need no man. No, but <laughs> she's a strong character that can carry herself. Yeah. And it, she's funny when she's walked in, or yeah. she's literally you know a female Doctor Strange, and she's gonna rip everything yeah, apart. Yeah, I think so. it's wonderful. <laughs> She's, yeah, she's very fun, like, 
awesome costume, just great kind of uh, aesthetic. And it brings a lot to the team that's that's very different than all the other characters. They're very good, a dynamic that's very different. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Is there a fifth one? Uh, Blue Beetle. Oh, wow. That's a, no, that's so, a great choice. Brandon actually got me into Young Justice within like the past three months, two months. Yeah, and I binged the crap out of that show <laughs> as fast as possible. I think, Highly recommend. I think it was two, maybe... I think it was less than two weeks I finished this show. Both <laughs> seasons. Um, and I don't know much about Blue Beetle. Uh, I know from that, and I know from what little I searched from the Teen Titans animated movie that came out a little while right. ago. Yeah. Um, but that just, again, is another fun teen character for a team that, yeah. like... Again, he's got Omega powers. He is uncontrolled. He and again, it's just it's that it's that balance of having people that they're teenagers. They want to goof off, and that's yeah, what. Yeah. They, in my mind, these this team that I've I've said they, they they're the guys that if they need to work, they'll get it done. Yeah. But they don't want to. Exactly. I think that's a really very great choice. I really like your characters because all of them, in some way, has something to prove. Too, because uh, with Red Robin, a big part of him is that he wanted he 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 was still Robin, but he wouldn't needed something to he need, he wanted to prove he's his own man. So he's like I'm Red Robin now. And, and there's uh, there's Batman who he still looks up to and he still looks a mentor, but he he wants to become his own detective and his own person. So he so he's kind of proving to Batman like no, I can do this on my own. And it's it, and pretty much the rest of the team is is built on on that idea of, of when you're a teenager. You want to prove, like, I can do this. I'm my own person. And those struggles are great for, uh, is a great conflict for a superhero a team. And a superhero film would be this the, the frustration of being a superhero, but also being a teenager at the same time. And, yeah, great choice. Thanks. Really great choice. And it, it's a great way of introducing then some characters, uh, like, later on, if you did a sequel, you do. Right. Yeah, and that's what so so uh, I did have two two more remarks to say about it. Um, I don't so so that would be my solid five choices, but if you had to round it out, it would either be Superboy or Red Hood. Oh wow! I am. I like they're both. They're both lot. the hev- They're again that 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 you know. I'm carrying the weight on my shoulders. Yeah, yeah. They're both that kind of guy, so you don't need both of them, but one right. of those two. I would probably lean more towards Red Hood because my team is a little less powered than Superboy could take. Right, yeah. But, again, I like both of them. I like that idea, too, and, and it has a conflict of, uh, of Red Robin and Red Hood. Again, again it kind of it brings up this almost like, uh, uh, for those who don't know, uh <clears throat> With Red Hood, he is these the the he's the second Robin. Is Jason Todd? He he then became oh oh with no the did I say Red Hood? You said Red Hood, yeah. No, I absolutely meant Red Arrow. Oh, Red Arrow. Okay, that was, totally. I was like, thank you for Red Arrow is yeah. Green Arrow's sidekick. I totally said the wrong person. <laughs> yeah, very confused. And because I was totally was going choice. along with your thing because I look at Red <laughs> Arrow and Red you Robin as mirrors. Because again, like, yeah. like they're both they are both leader type, yeah. but Red Robin is the more humorous to Red Arrow's more brooding like right, yeah. everything's wrong. It's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Um, I that's had... really funny because I I frustrated the crap out of that. <laughs> I originally thought I thought you were going to say Superboy or 
Static Shock. Uh, no, I didn't even think of Static Shock. Which to I be honest, get, yeah. to be if I'm if I'm 100, I would not put Static Shock in my Teen Titans movie. However, I would absolutely be opening open to him being in a Solo. future sequel or something. Oh yeah, yeah, he'd be great. Um, I was yeah, just I do love on. me some Static Shock. He's great. What a great character. And then my last thing about this, um, the uh, so the final basic reason as to why. Uh, a Teen Titans movie would be great for the DC Expanded Universe right now, is... Uh, so, everyone said that, and I would argue this to be true, that DC pushed Suicide Squad to be DC's Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. I would say, yeah, yeah. wrong, Teen Titans should be your Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, wow, that's a really Because yeah. it's a band of misfits that don't belong together, <laughs> that really don't care for each other, because they're now now the difference between Guardians and Teen Titans is Teen Titans don't care about each other because they're teenagers yeah. and they're going crazy hormones <laughs> and they don't have any control of anything. Yeah. Whereas Guardians were you know they just don't care. Yeah. You know they're they're out for themselves. Right. Exactly. But it's that that parallel. Yeah. And I think I think Teen Titans would work along that line for DC better than expected. Wow, that's that's fantastic. That's a great again great pitch. I want I want these in development. By Monday, is uh, all I can say. I'm, I'm just glad that my lack of uh, actual human beings isn't affecting my pictures. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, uh, just, just people you find on the street. Jimmy, make these <laughs> actual people now. Just, just like, no, no it is memories. Done. They just like, yeah, they just morph into existence. Um, anyway. Alright, so I'm going to give Brandon the mic. Oh, no, yeah. Snowball! Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, so it's snowballing down the hill and the, the, the uh, cord's still there. Grab the cord! It almost went off the cliff. I'm I'm hanging off the cliff. You can pull me back up, please. Uh, I'm I'm Zach. I'm falling. Brandon, I'm falling. I think I'm it actually falling. still works there, so I'm, you can I'm just falling. talk into the mic while you're hanging. Oh, you're right. You're right. I can. I can actually just okay. I'll just keep. I'll just keep going. So I'm gonna sit up here. You just do your part now. Okay. Yeah. So my pitch, and I'm gonna go a little. Uh, I'm gonna go a little shorter on on this one. I'm not too fleshed out, but I just have a basic idea. And I'm gonna get your reaction to this. I want to do a Moon Knight movie. Oh, I'm on. I'm in. And you know who I want to cast? It's interesting because I think you'll like this. It's Jake Gyllenhaal. Or Gyllenhaal. I can't remember how to pronounce his name. I think it's Gyllenhaal, but I'm not going to yeah. hear it. I feel bad. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, I'm Gyllenhaal. <laughs> um, I, so I don't, I don't know enough about Moon Knight, but I do know enough to say I am in for that cast. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not too into Moon Knight as much as I know some people, but mostly because, like, I think people like his design and they kind of get a little, uh, over-fanatic about that, but I do like is Warren Ellis's, his, his, his recent run on Moon Knight, which was, uh, was six issues, and each one, each issue is a self-contained story. It's, it's fantastic. He does a great job. He really gets into the mind of Moon Knight and to kind of catch you up on the mind of Moonlight is that he's crazy. Uh, that dude is just bonkers. He is a head full of cats. <laughs> uh, and I think with Jake Gyllenhaal, I think he could really capture that the, the conflict and the frustration and his his separation between him wanting to be normal and himself uh, kind of under the influence of this Egyptian. There's there's some. It's a deity uh, called. It's Khonshu, and he he, he kind of in, in, imbues Moon Knight 
with these uh, with his powers and kind of his abilities that he uses. And it's th th there is kind of this debate of is Moon Knight is he is he himself or is he being possessed by this uh, demon? So arguably, and again, this is based off of my very expansive Young Justice knowledge. <laughs> um, he is sort of a Marvel Doctor Fate with less power. In some way, I can see that actually. I think. Yeah, that's actually a really good comparison. I, yeah, especially with the, the big influence with uh, with Doctor Fate is his helmet, and he's very much influenced by the uh, by, by, by the power that's inside. And mm -hmm. I think, yeah, that's a big part of it. Is that he's more of a instead of magic, he's more of a, a fighting kind of type of character, and so his powers are more about hand-to-hand -hand combat and kind of uh, uh, abilities to like take damage, and kind of on a I was thinking about that. What is that with the the director? This one's a little tough, but if you uh, but some some listeners m will will understand this. But I would like the director uh, is Jeremy <clears throat> Solnier, who is the director of Green Room, which is a fantastic movie. <laughs> and I think what I love so much about that is he he bounces. He he very much balances violence and human human characters that you you care so much about these characters in his films. Uh, he's done he's done a few movies. I would highly re highly recommend. You start with Green Room. I will say you need a strong stomach for that movie because it gets grisly. It's very violent, but fantastic film. And it's a very good thriller. And what he does so well is he establishes characters, and makes them care for him. So that, so that when they do eventually get brutally hurt, you feel so much for this character. And I think I want that for Moon Knight. Is that you want to feel for this main character? You want to when he is struggling with uh, his own insanity, his own perception of reality. You want to be there with him and be like, "Oh my God, what is happening to him?" And, you, and when he's hurt, you want to feel like, "Oh my God." He, uh, or and or in the other cases, when he hurts someone, is that you almost kind of want to cringe at like, "Oh, is he going too far?" I think he can balance this act of showing Moon Knight is a hero, but he also is maybe not quite uh, the hero you would want to uh, save you or kind of uh, to be in this universe. And kind of what I like so much about th this character, uh, this character, and mostly more recent runs with uh, with Brian Wood, and then <clears throat> it was Colin Bunn, who, if you have a chance, I. I Highly recommend you, you you check out their runs on the comic. Fantastic stuff. Uh, for Brian Wood, he did more of an overarching story. Uh, about six issues, and then with Colin Bond, he did six issues, but they were standalone uh, issues where his I would take a lot of influence from. Where it kind of reveals this isn't really a spoiler. It's just kind of something that I haven't really touched on. But with Kanchu, the deity, he has been influencing other agent, uh, other people and making those agents of Kanshu and there's a character who's almost a a monster who's been who's been uh, abducting children and Moon Knight he goes after him even though Kanshu tells him not to Moon Knight gets his ass kicked but he also just straight up he, he goes in with a bunch of guns he just kills this, this very beast like monster and uh, as the beast is dying He's, he's whispering about Kanshu, how he told him to do this. He told him to abduct these children. And it's kind of about this this conflict of, is Moon Knight actually a good person and a good hero? Or is Kanshu just kind of like, he's brainwashing him into 
being something evil down the line. So it's going to be a, a conflict between his own psyche and his, he, him, him. He's battling with the uh, influence over his brain. So that's my pitch for Moon Knight. Wow. Thank you. That was <laughs> that was intense. That made me really want to read Moon Knight. Moon Knight oh, I, I highly recommend. I I do have I have not read the recent uh, the Jeff Lemire uh, Moon Knight, which is twelve issues. Kind of I think it's wrapping up soon. But I heard that is even better. People was, and most of his people have said it. It gets very trippy, very fast. Wow. Like it gets. It, it takes place. I know the first part takes place in in, in, in an asylum. They say it gets pretty crazy pretty fast. And one of my favorite uh, lines from the Warren Ellis run, I would like to include in the movie, is there's uh, a cop friend who's almost a Commissioner Gordon type to Moon Knight. Um, and the cop, he almost, he asks him Moon Knight, he, he's like, uh, why do you wear white? Like, isn't that bad for, for, for camouflage? And it kind of, uh, to give you perspective, Moon Knight is uh, almost a, uh, he, he looks like Batman, but if, 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 his, if his costume was white and the big hood on it. Moon Knight pretty much replies, he tells him, he's like, well, that's the thing, I want them to see me coming. And I, like, I want them to see me, like, I'm, I'm coming Jesus. for these people. <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's how intense Moon Knight is. There's a great issue of Warren Ellis' run where he basically goes into a building and beats up every, like, he pretty much has to go up, uh, he has a, he, he's going up these stairs and he has to fight, like, a building full of drug dealers, and it's all one extended fight scene, and it's fantastic. That sounds fantastic. Super intense stuff, but yeah. So that's my pitch for Midnight, Jake Gyllenhaal, the director of Green Room. Boom. Okay. So I'm gonna toss the mic over to Zach if he's ready. I got uh, this. All right, keep going, keep going, go along. I, go I got, I go. got this. Go. I got okay. this. You got it. Go. And. Huh. Oh, I actually wasn't even running. It's it's in the lake now. <laughs> oh man. It's okay. The space pirate out. eagle. Oh. Pirates. Oh, it's coming it's back. Gonna get it. Right, get it. Uh, I got it. On. Oh, oh. Okay. there you go. Thank you. All right. Hello, everybody. Um, <laughs> so my next choice, I actually am going to just admit right now, I spoiled it by my mistake. My next solo <laughs> movie would be Red Hood. Oh wow. Okay. I I don't know if that's a surprise, Sorry. but yes, I I Red Hood is one of my favorite DC characters because it, the whole – he is he is the Nightwing everyone really should like, but oh. no one knows who he is, <laughs> is really what it comes down to. Like, Nightwing is more of the, like, joyful Robin, yeah. which is why and, – and he was the first, so it makes yeah. sense why everyone yeah. knows who he is. And But, but Red Hood is just – he is dark. He has a dark. In case you don't know, right. so spoiler alert: in Batman versus Superman, there's a scene where he walks by a Robin costume in a case, and there's ha 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 written all over it. It's clearly the Joker. The Joker killed Robin, and that's what that was. And that Robin was Jason Todd, right? Who survives and takes on the identity as the Red Hood. Um, huge irony there is that Joker. Before he was Joker, was the Red Hood. So there's the dark irony to it. Right, yeah, um, parallel between them. And it really sets the tone for a darker character. But if you know the character, he's really a smartass. Yeah. He's not. He's not all <laughs> like. He's not a. He's not Batman by any means. He's still a Robin. Yeah. He's just darker than you know Red Robin and Nightwing. Now, I actually 
was thinking about this throughout the whole podcast, and because again, I told you guys before, I I used it on my actors and stuff, but I was thinking about this, and he is a little old, but I think Stephen Amell would be a good choice for Red Hood if he was younger. Yeah. Um, I good choice. Yeah, I I because when he raises his voice, he he could be. I I mean, uh, he he can really come on with the sarcasm. Yeah. Which is really what Red Hood's about with his comedy. Yeah. Um, which going off of that, okay, well. I was just going to say, uh, for listeners who don't know, Stephen uh, Amell is the, the, the current uh, current actor on the show Arrow, who plays uh, the Green Arrow. So kind of, uh, to kind of have that image in your head if you're, if you're curious, if you're wondering, if you're yelling at your, your phone or your computer, uh, screaming why we didn't, we didn't elaborate, but yes, uh, that's who it is. If you're because curious. I don't care about the last <laughs> I do. This I do a lot. Pocket. Um, no. So, yes. So, the guy who plays Arrow. That's who. And, um, uh, oh, oh, the big thing I, I, okay, so again, I know this is probably sad, but I want to help DC, so that's why I keep (laughs) making these Marvel parallels. Again, the DC movies, the comics are, they're on their own, they're fine, like, they're doing great. As good as comics can do, anyway. Um, but so, so, another, another Marvel parallel for DC that's a reason why I think Red Hood would do well on its own is I would see it like a solo Star-Lord film. Huh. I like that a lot. Because, yeah, again, cool. the sarcasm, the comedic, yeah. uh, again, to cover up yourself, basically, that yeah. he uses, and yet the great, like, like Star-Lord definitely killed some people in Guardians of the Galaxy. You go watch that movie, he's willing to shoot up some guys. Like, you might see it off-screen or whatever, but yeah. he, he does not care. It's almost like in India Jones kind of character. Like, he's, he's been through some... He's been through some rough situations, and you know he probably has killed some people. And in Indiana Jones, you see him kill a lot of Nazis, and Star Lord probably has come along, probably could come across some pretty bad dudes, and you know, worse comes to worse, and he's gotta. gotta make and a that's choice. exactly why I think Red Hood would do well. It might be now Red Hood, mind you, is darker than both of those examples, but again, it's it's the parallel, it's the same style. Um, now. The reason why I don't see Red Hood happening, or at least anytime soon, is because of how difficult it would be to establish this character. Right. You would have right. to. It, I, I would either in the first Batman movie or the next bat or the second Batman movie, you would have to have the story of Jason Todd established before Red Hood could be. And if you saw, I think it's Under the Red Hood, right. with yes. the animated movie. Yes, yeah. That's, that's a great show. idea to base establishing Red Hood um, as a Batman, in a Batman movie. Yeah. You, you can't have Red Hood as a solo before... Yeah. Like, Jason Todd has to be established as Red Hood in a yeah. Batman movie his, his trauma for his own part. movie. Exactly. Yeah. So, again, that's why I don't see any of this happening, but I really think it would just blow, like, DC movies out of the water. Yeah, I like that. That's a great choice. Wow. That's a, yeah, I like... Yeah, it's, a, it's very different. It's very... But keeping with the comedic kind of elements of Red Hood, he is a, he is a bit of a, you know, like a smart aleck, and he has a lot of sarcasm. You want that in some, like, uh, a DC film, so. Great choice, yeah. Is that it for... That is all I have on Mr. Hood. Okay. Great choice. Okay, so I'm going to put this mic on this conveyor belt, slowly <laughs> going around the carousel to you. It should just land right in front of you. Oh no! Oh no! A ferret just jumped oh, up and grabbed it. It's going down the conveyor belt as fast as it can. Where is the ferret? I didn't even the see space something. pirate eagle just ate it. Oh no! Not the space pirate eagle again. It's like the fourth. Oh ferret. wait! 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 
he's flying. Okay, so the Space Pirate Eagle is now on Brandon's arm. Now, mind you, again, he ate the mic. So I think if you talk at the... If you talk at the Space Pirate... You'll still hear your... There's just some birds in the background. <laughs> this, like, half-assed improv show along with our podcast. Yes, and... I yes, want and your Santa Claus. <laughs> I want someone to draw me a space pirate eagle. Like, Don't forget, yeah. he has two eye patches. Two eye patches, and he's a bald bald eagle. A bald bald eagle, yeah. Uh, but so if yeah, like come here, eagle, come here. Uh, if I just op- if I just open his mouth, I can speak into speak into his. Yeah, I think that did it. I think that they, is I don't it's know. Still how, he, he might okay, only, he, he might only stand there for one movie pitch worth, but, uh, uh well, I guess, I think that's all you need. We'll see what I can do. I'll yeah. keep this one short then. Um, <laughs> so this one's a little, this one is primarily for me because I've thought about this idea for at least like four or five years, uh, once a week, uh, cause it's, it's very much, I texted Zach before this, we recorded it. I said, most of them are very fun and kind of entertaining. Ideas. This is the art house bull- uh, the, the very the art house bullshit that I am into. Uh, <laughs> but I want a movie, and how I describe it in my notes is a Superman movie that's directed by Terrence Malick from the perspective of Jimmy Olsen. Now I did say before I I shouldn't have uh, made my list just a good Superman movie, but this is more <laughs> a movie from a different perspective on Superman. So it's a way of looking at Superman from someone else's point of view. Almost ours, but someone who's more intimately uh, a friend of Superman. And it's a way of kind of, uh, kind of you, you find the conflict between Superman, who's seen almost as a godlike figure and this hero, but then you also see with Jimmy Olsen, who is, he is Superman's, he's, he's his best friend. I mean, he's also, he's also Clark Kent's best friend. So you have someone who has seen Superman at his at his best and at his worst. I mean, uh, if you, if you're friends with with someone for a long period of time, you see him on their best days, and you get to hang out with him, you get to joke around, and then you see him on their worst days. You see him when they're angry, when they get frustrated, when they get sad, and they get they're heartbroken. And that's what Jimmy Olsen, what he's done. He's seen Clark Kent, the man, and he's seen him as he's seen him growing up over the years, and he's been his friend, and it's a way. Of kind of, uh, I would make it almost well, why I say uh, Terrence Malick, because he's one of my favorite directors. But if you've seen his movies, he has a very uh, how he shoots his movies almost very uh, a floaty kind of a technique where the camera was, it comes in, it's kind of almost omniscient. It's kind of looking over these characters, but it also does have a lot of narration when it's main characters, uh, such as in Thin Red Line. There's a great overarching idea of the characters are talking about God and addressing uh, 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 they're addressing God in this way of questioning what's happening uh, in World War II and they're they're trying to find some answers in the, the carnage and the bloodshed that's happening and it's kind of my way of I would have Jim Nelson he would be narrating how he's trying to uh, trying to, re- to reconcile his thoughts and feelings on Superman, the hero, and and Clark Kent, the friend he knows. But it also it was so it would mostly be the vignettes of showing Clark Kent throughout the years, using inspiration from the wonderful comic came out last year, um, Max Landis's Superman: American Alien. It was a 
fantastic seven-issue comic. Highly recommend it. it. Kind of shows Clark Kent as a person. Kind of shows him over the years. He's he's twelve. He's twenty. 17, and he shows him through as a teenager and through early adulthood. And you kind of get to see Clark Kent is a, he's also a dude. You know, he's had, he's had times he's fallen in love. He's had hopes and dreams. He's had his life change in an instant and learn who he is. And I want a Superman movie that, yes, might not be that exciting (laughs) to most people, but for me, it would be a change of pace and kind of finding the humanity and the hope in a character that, Feels like sometimes it may have been lost in recent years. Maybe there's some light in him still. Maybe. Wow, that's pretty deep. I almost cried. Thank you. Um, no, I know you're, that, you, that was you, very. What, why you were you're, you're crying? Right? You're weeping. You were you were in the corner. You were just screaming to to the, to the <laughs> ceiling. You were you were begging for me to stop. I was like, no, no, Zach. The the listeners have to hear this. And I don't know why you're saying you're up, but thank you. I appreciate it. I gotta say. <laughs> Um, so, 100% honesty, I think this would be fantastic. I think it would be very enjoyable, very entertaining. But, um, I want to ask you, would you think that WB would make this? No. <laughs> they would never make it. Counterpoint, could you see this as a Netflix film? Oh, wow. Uh, right? Yes. I That's kind of yeah. where I was going. So, so, as I was listening to this pitch, this absolutely sounds like a Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, that kind of thing. I could totally see it being like a ninety-minute like streaming film, and I think it would be pretty darn good. And it'd be very enjoyable. I I am like all I I like it. Thank you. I appreciate that. I actually think I like that more than the Moon Knight pitch. Not to say I didn't like Moon Knight, <laughs> but I just I'm that intrigued by that idea. And and it sounds a lot like uh um uh uh. Uh, <laughs> the bald eagle. It took. It took your voice. Voice box. I'll, I'll re. I'll install one more for you real quick. I got nothing. There it is. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. We're talking. We're talking. We're back. <laughs> um. No, I got nothing. That's it. All right. So uh, the bald eagle is clearly We're very tired. You can tell. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of time. All right. So the bald eagle just puked up the mic. I'm just grabbing it. I'm. I'm just... Oh, it's all sticky. No, it's okay. I got this. Okay. All right. So I'm wipe it off. I'm going to combine my next two into one pitch. Um, sure. Yeah. So it's, I think these two characters both deserve solo films. And don't worry, we're back in Marvel at this point. Uh, Miss Marvel, the current Miss Marvel. Oh, wow. And Miles yeah. Morales. <gasps> now, I think you could yeah. have seen Miles Morales coming. But yes, I am a firm believer that Miss Marvel, the inhuman, stretchy, teenage superhero wonder, deserves a film. And here's why. I think she is the perfect movie to have your first true female superhero that kids can look up to. I think that it has that Peter Parker innocence to it. Yeah. But it's, uh, in all honesty, in one word, it's a girl. Or in, in a sentence, it's a girl. It's a, it's a female character that yeah. does it. And she is the same, like, she has that, that enthusiasm, that, that go-get-em attitude. And it's the same thing with Miles, except again you're getting your your uh, your black character established. Yeah. And and again, well, I mean, I love Miles. I've read I've I've read almost all of Bendis's Miles Morales comics and loved every single issue. Uh, again, a wonderful character on his own merit, nothing to do with Peter Parker. 
But these two characters both deserve their own solo because, again, just a great chance to establish who, uh, uh, a great chance to establish these, these, you know, the, the broadening of who gets to be a superhero these days. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I mean, it's, and it's, uh, it's a great idea to do because they're both very, they're both young, uh, heroes. But it's in, they're always done in this way where they, they have an earnestness to them. There's a warmth to both of these characters, where Miss Marvel is, is very hopeful. There's a great uh, scene in her series where she talks about how her father always tells her, uh, if, you, if, you save one, uh, if you save one person, it's, a, it's as if uh, you've saved the world. And it's a great way of kind of showing that, like, that's all you have to do is you, you save one person, that's, and you, you have done a world of good to that person. It's... And it's a great way of kind of like I really like that pairing, mostly because it's a a way of of, of showing again like uh, a different style of character, but keeping in this uh, this innocence and this heroicness to, to these characters who are integral to uh, the Marvel movie lineup. I think for for for, for the future. <clears throat> exactly. And. Especially with Miles, I think he's a wonderful character. So, uh, we just had to take a quick break there. We are very tired and very out, out of breath and very dehydrated. We are because we are currently we're in a desert, right, Zach? Our our improv show is keep is going to keep going with this. Yeah, see, oh no, this pirate, desert's so hot. I, it's, 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 the eagle brought us here. He, he dragged us here. Did, I think he right? drugged us. When yeah, he I think he up did. Mic. Yeah, I think, I think he drugged there was himself. something on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole thing. I mean, he, yeah. He's a brilliant yeah. mastermind. Yeah, that's why he has two eye patches. <laughs> and this he's connected. You lift them up, and there. Did you see? There was two. There's two robot eyes. He's not a bald, bald eagle. He's a bald, bald cybernetic pirate eagle. He's a cyborg pirate eagle. A cyborg pirate space. Bald, bald eagle. Ow! I, I was trying to do uh, a. <laughs> Ow! I was trying to do like a like eagle call, a call, but then also like a like like him like morphing his eyes into like like and like looking around. Did you ever so. hear an eagle call? No. Like you know, like I've been doing like like I've been doing bird noises. I thought I um, thought that was an eagle. I thought you you don't have an eagle under your bed. Oh no! Well, that's the pirate space. That's the other that's eagle. The, that's the yeah. I mean that's that. But a normal real eagle, an everyday eagle. I'm pretty sure it sounds really like terrible. Like almost like that. a dying screech. Like <laughs> ah. <laughs> like like something. Hello and welcome just, to yeah. our weekly edition of e- of. E- Eagle screams. Uh, our <laughs> I'm podcast. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm, no, out. I'm, like I'm out. <laughs> you tell we're getting delirious at this point. Just like <laughs> um, Thor doesn't give us the water. <laughs> anyway, so we're gonna wrap this episode up. But before you go, I'm gonna leave you with one more uh, movie on my wish list. This is this is probably the more out there one compared to the the last one I did, the Terrence Malick Superman movie. I'm gonna go quick on this because we're we're going to wrap this up, and we're going to get some things out of the way, but before we go, here's my pitch for a Swamp Thing movie. I did not, and yet totally saw this coming. <laughs> Brandon loves him some Swamp Thing. I love me some Swamp Thing. So, I, I, it's, this, is not, this is not at all a surprise, and yet I was not expecting it. And yet, here we are. And yet, here we are, <laughs> indeed. 
I'm gonna do it. We're gonna go. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm just, it's like a roller coaster. We're like, okay, let's go. We're gonna do this. All right, the tippy top. Now let's go down the hill. <laughs> so my Swamp Thing movie, mostly what I have, I only have a little bit of notes, two lines uh, specifically. But if listeners are familiar with the show Hannibal, the uh, reason why I bring that up is I want the showrunner for that from that. Uh, Brian Fuller, I want him to be in charge of a Swamp Thing movie. This is because if you've seen the imagery on Hannibal and how the show is shot, is that it mixes this idea of uh, of death and, and and life in this way that it's kind of this in between of there's a beauty in both of them where the life is you know there there is uh, the, the the beauty in the people, but there's some way how they portray the the murder and the death in the show is there are actual scenes where people are dead or dying and it's portrayed as beautiful. It's very shot very well. It's very, there's a, there's a particular one I'm thinking of where in season, uh, season two, I think where basically a serial killer has uh, made it so that these trees, they grow into people and they would burst out of these people. And it's like a tree person. Oh my God. And it sounds horrifying. It is. But it's how it's shot is that it's almost like it, it kind of it shows the process of a tree blooming, it's a tree growing. It's it's kind of this way of nature is beautiful at the same time. It's and it's very much question questioning the idea of what we considered uh, with, with death. Why is it grisly? There's there are horrifying scenes and horrifying imagery, but it's also kind of making question some of the uh, some of the uh, imagery and the this show is also is beautiful. There is a uh, there's a scene where it kind of shows the, uh, the these people who are who are killed and posed as angels. And it is there's almost a it's it's very it's angelic and kind of uh, mysterious. You can see there's there's beauty in these kind of ideas. The reason why I bring it up is because I think he can bring that same imagery and that aesthetic to a Swamp Thing movie where. Swamp Thing is very much rooted in horror. Like, if you saw him, you would recoil in terror. He is a very scary-looking character. He's he's a, a mass of plants and vegetation. What's also great about the character is that it's what kind of nature is about. And nature is beautiful and terrifying at the same time. You know, there's uh, there's there's plant life and trees and all, all the, the and flowers, all this beautiful vegetation. But there's also uh, in nature there is still there's uh, there's predators and prey. There's the idea of uh, like something is beautiful, but then to survive it has to kill and eat something and you know and contain its energy. And in a way, Swamp Thing really represents that because it's about the main character. He dies and he is then fused with the earth and he becomes something else. He, he in in the process of death, he also there's a process of life with it. It's it's the the beauty and nature of the uh, circle of life. That's kind of what I think he would bring to a movie like that. It would be this combination of horror movie and nature documentary that I don't have much of a story for, but that's what I would want out of a Swamp Thing movie. You know what I love about that? And besides it being Swamp Thing as a whole, which was just, it sounded phenomenal. Um, But something very simple to go off of that that I like is that it's not about, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is this is going back to roots of um, 
this is this is a movie about a good character and a good story. Right. Not worry. Right. Yeah. We're, we're not we're not showing the after credit scene <laughs> in the trailer. Type yeah. Of thing. Like we're not we're not that far ahead of ourselves. Yeah. That's what I like about your pitch for Swamp Thing is it sounds so genuine. That's why I was hoping for. Yeah, I would like to see a movie that's gonna like on the cusp on the on the outside corner of the DC universe. He's there, but he's doing his own thing. He's he's swampy. He's just you know just like in the corner. Just don't mind him, you know, he's doing his own thing with Sandman and Constantine, so, you know. Oh, God. I called this for Constantine on my list. Ooh, I'm, I'm excited for that. So, <laughs> it's kind of, uh, in that vein, if you're if you're curious, this is, you're not going to go uh, go another, like, hour or so. We're going to this, we're, we're going to be wrapping this episode up now with, uh, um, and hopefully a preview. Hopefully we can do this again, a part two of our Come Up With Wish List, and We'll let you know when that's coming up, and have Zach back on the podcast. And maybe Ryan will be back. Maybe he will be fighting through time against Nazis on top of a Zeppelin. We never know where he's going to show up next. But in the meantime, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in again, and I hope you enjoyed uh, our our ideas. And we are very excited to hear your ideas. If you have any any comic movies on your wish list, let us know in our comments on Facebook or Twitter, and hopefully we can read some next time. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know. And if you're wondering where else can you can you uh, you find Zach and his antics and his uh, his personality, he is on YouTube as the Philly Gamer. He is also on uh, on YouTube as Caffeine Co-op, which I am his co-host on, and very very happy. To start with, we're so if you loved our shenanigans, that was the <laughs> best teamwork of shenanigans you've ever seen on this internet or heard. Which you know it's true. Don't lie to yourself. You don't come up with a space ball of bald pirate, bald eagle. You, like no one does that. That's us. That's our thing. We're that good. So if you love that, please come and join us. Please, we're caffeine co-op too. Yeah, and if you you're into something. A little more spooky. We're playing Atlast together. Hopefully, we'll survive. But if not, you'll just have to wait and see. We don't die from a game. I hope, hope not. not. I gotta finish this list. Did we just? If Atlas we just synced on that. But uh, oh, this is God. scary. That was that was spooky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you also want to contact Zach on Twitter, you can follow him at, at the the underscore. Philly Gamer, and also at USA Caffeine Co-op to find recent updates on his solo videos and our and our co-op videos. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Hide and Go Seek. Again, thank you for listening, those out there who care about what we say. For some reason, I am almost positive we have scared you all off with our <laughs> our halfway uh, improv. Uh, episode of this podcast and oh no Zach I, I might need you to finish this episode I'm I'm about to fall off a cliff no uh, Brandon when you hit the uh, ground you're supposed to stop yelling I'm still hurt okay well on that note I'm Zach and I've loved being on this show every second of it I hope you guys enjoyed it and thanks for having me Uh, this is Hide and Go Seek. That's it. Bye.